Coming up on Over a Barrel. If somebody complains about you not saying it perfectly word for word, that uh, you still get the idea across, we'll, we'll, we'll send them a pleasant response. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you have any complaints, send them to complaints at AOL.com. Oh, uh, find out what's got Patrick so upset in this edition of Over a Barrel. It starts right now. Welcome to the program, Over a Barrel. I'm your co-host, Matt McClain, alongside the other co-host, Patrick DeHaan, coming to you from two totally separate states. Hello, Patrick. How are you, sir? Good, Matt. Good to be with you. How are things down in Kentucky, is it today? Uh, Kentucky today. Who knows tomorrow? But for right now, yes. Uh, And things are good. It was 85 degrees here yesterday and about 55 here today. So it's normal for fall. (laughs) It's the way that it rolls. I'm thankful that gas prices aren't fluctuating quite that dramatically because that would be kind of a, that would be a problem, I would think, all the way around. Nobody likes price is uh, bouncing around too much, especially since we're getting a little closer to Thanksgiving. Hey, uh, one thing that I do want to talk about very quickly, are we getting closer to my $1.99 dream price on anything? I mean, 99 cents. Where where do we stand with all of this? Uh, Before we even get into the the meat and potatoes of the episode, where are we right now? Oh my goodness, you're going to make me talk about $1.99 gas when what was a couple weeks? (laughs) I begged you. Yeah, you did. Well, you know what? I'll have a development on that for a minute. But right now, Matt, the national average has continued to drop seven straight weeks. I feel like a broken record because I think last week I said six and the week before that I said five. I'm okay with a broken record. Maybe next week we'll make eight. (laughs) Yeah, I think we will. The national average is to 338 a gallon today. Now, it it has paused here. It hasn't gone down a whole lot from a week ago. Four cents in the last week. Uh, There are some states that did jump up a little bit. So Florida, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, I think, jumped up the week prior. All those states, Matt, uh, saw a jump. We call those price cycles because when stations start to sell at or below cost, they jump prices up. And then as soon as prices go up, they go back down. It takes a week or two, then they go back up. That's a cycle, right? When they constantly are going up and down. So that's why the national average hasn't gone down a whole lot in the last week, because those three states, Florida is a big one with all the people down there. Florida saw prices go up. Um, and if I quickly pull up the statewide average for Florida, yeah, it's up about five cents from a week ago. And so that's kind of holding the national average, preventing it from declining. But because Florida went up earlier this week, it's going to start cycling back down. So gotcha. yeah, a lot going on, but a development on that 90 or the dollar 99, yeah, it was dollar yeah. 99, right? Okay. I- yeah, well, I mean, I'll take 99 cents, but I think realistically I would jump for joy at a buck 99 at this point. Well, you know, there was an interesting, uh, interesting thing happened that that drew my attention over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, now, which do you think happened, Matt? What do you think I'm about to say? Gas if prices. You had to guess, gas prices are inching closer to the dollar ninety nine mark in some states somewhere in the United States of America. Now, what I'm going to say is, we <laughs> actually saw a gas station that lacked a first digit. What? We what? saw a station, yes, Longmont, Colorado, uh, last week, Friday, was 99 a cents a gallon. It was not a mistake. Hundreds really? of cars waiting in line. Uh, David Baxter from uh, Colorado um, 
uh, tag me in a link. By the way, if you ever want me to see you, the price war uh, hashtag, or or I should say, mention me at Gas Buddy Guy in your uh, post. But yeah, David stumbled upon a station in his backyard. Uh, I see the picture here. It was a Phillips 66, 99 cents a gallon, but the price of diesel was 355. So it was a price war. We've talked about these two stations across the street from each other, a little bit of bad blood, Matt, and they went all the way down to 99 cents a gallon. That had to have been at a, at a loss for sales. I would think there's no way that they're making profit off that. I would. Oh, they're losing. They're losing uh, hand over fist, but wow. again, bad blood here. Stations are, you know, people are very price sensitive. You and I always talk about the oh, lowest yeah. gas prices. And if one station, some stations, Matt, by the way, they, they decide this is some stations are always going to say, I want to be two cents lower than the guy down the street. The guy down the street gets sick of that because he's always getting undercut. And that's where the price wars start to start to spiral out of control because it, it, it's just tit for tat. And Matt, imagine being a station owner and your competition always has a lower price than you. It gets old. And that's why these price wars can develop. Mm. Well, what are, what is the, I guess you've given us the artificially low cheap price, which 99 yeah. cents a gallon, that that technically meets That's that artificially threshold. low. That's artificially low. It's, uh, it's if you had loss. prepared me, I would have had music ready for a celebration and I but, would have started uh, dancing out in the middle of the streets. But the fact of the matter is, uh, more realistically speaking, what other cheap, cheaper prices are you seeing that's a little bit more sustainable, I would assume? Uh, yeah, what? those those non-loss leader prices, right, where they're selling at a profit, but they're they're low. Um, well, let me let me uh, highlight the market first by Matt saying there are 40 states now where mm -hmm. you can find at least one station at 299 a gallon or less. 40 states, so that means only 10. Um, and those 10, I'll, I'll quick highlight the unlucky 10 where there are no 299 prices yet. Montana, mm -hmm. cheapest price there, 319. That surprises me. Idaho, 335 is the cheapest price. Um, Alaska, the cheapest price, 359. Oregon, 349. Nevada, 349. Washington, 345. California, 389. And Matt, there's one state that mm -hmm. has not a single station below $4. Wait, wait. Let me guess. Let me guess because I've been there. I bet you anything it is sitting in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and it's entitled Hawaii. You are correct. Not shocked. You are correct. Yeah. Hawaii's cheapest price today. Take a guess. It's over $4. Oh, What's the Lord. Uh, probably the cheapest. Roll, please. The cheapest I would probably take a guess at Hawaii would probably be about four ten to four twenty a gallon. Wow. You are good, Matt. It's four oh eight a oh. gallon. So Let's it's see, getting close. Um, but, you know, it, to the other side of the spectrum again, because the 40 states, as we mentioned, we just talked about the 10 that don't have any sub $3 prices. The cheapest price today is still in Colorado. By the way, that's, I just mentioned 99 cent gas was in Colorado. The lowest price in Colorado, two fourteen a gallon. They're oh, probably losing a little bit of money there. So I'm going to caveat that. But beyond that, Matt, if I, if I go down the cheapest station in every state, the cheapest states, so the cheapest station and the cheapest state, Texas, two thirty three a gallon. Um, Georgia, two thirty one a gallon. Oklahoma, two twenty nine. So these are the cheapest prices in the cheapest state. So this is as good as it gets, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like I said, Texas, two thirty three. Mississippi, two forty eight. Georgia, two thirty one. Oklahoma, two twenty nine. South Carolina, two forty eight. Louisiana, two forty five. So Matt, the lowest prices are getting into the low twos now, which is rather incredible. 
And you compare that to the national average, which is still almost a dollar a gallon more than those prices we just mentioned at about well, 338. You've been laughing at me all year every time I bring up a buck ninety nine or ninety nine cents. <laughs> I didn't I think just, that was gonna happen. That was well, that was I'm just going to take a victory lap right now and say I told you so. <laughs> That's a heck of a victory lap, by the way. And by the way, I'm gonna take a victory lap or at least caveat your victory lap and say that was an artificially low price. So that doesn't count because Matt, just like that one station in in what is it, LA, that's still seven seventy nine a gallon. Good gravy. That cannot be used as a fair representation of the gas prices that are happening in the country. <laughs> no, but two twenty nine in Oklahoma certainly can. That's, yeah, that, that can be. They're made they're you yeah. know they're really making much but 231 in georgia 233 in texas i mean mm-hmm. those those all kind of make sense i i mean i would love to have that uh i uh, kentucky i don't know where it's pro- probably about 250 i would think because i think here locally where i'm at i'm paying about 285 look at you you're so, spot on i think you have a cheat sheet there because kentucky's cheapest price is in the 250s it's 254 oh. Well, that I don't have. I did not pull that one up. Uh, but yes, I actually don't have that. <laughs> that right was a great guess. Then. Rough wow. guess. Yeah, because I'm paying about 285. And usually there are places that are cheaper in Kentucky than where I'm located uh, by about 25 to 30 cents. And that's a fairly consistent price differential between where I'm at and where and where those cheaper gas stations are in, oh, in the Ching, states. Oh, by the way, breaking news just Uh-oh. happened in Uh-oh. Pennsylvania. What yes. happened? The first station in Pennsylvania just fell below $3 a gallon. Uh, let's give a plug out here. The station is Turkey Hill. Just fell to $2.99 a gallon. Um, I have no idea how to pronounce this, this uh, town name in, in Pennsylvania, but it's a town in, bec- in between Lancaster and Reading. I think I have that right too, Reading, Pennsylvania, even though it reads as reading. Reading, yeah, I yeah. think it's Reading as well. So, so uh, just happened two ninety nine, Matt, and that uh, that's now the fortieth state where you can find at least one station at two ninety nine a gallon or less. So hey. Well, that makes, uh, I'm not going to lie, that makes me very happy because, you know, Thanksgiving's just a few weeks away, and I'm very excited about the fact that hopefully um, I can, you know, make my holiday driving at, uh, you know, sub $5 a gallon like we had a a year or two ago, (laughs) because that was a very sad turkey day in my mind. I'm like, this is depressing. I'm paying more for the gas just to get to family than I am for the actual, like, you know, meal. (laughs) You mean, yeah, paying more for the gas than the turkey, but... right. You know, as 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 we sit here and talk about that, uh, the declines will continue into Thanksgiving, Matt. So, um, you know, more good news is that uh, hey, why stop at seven? To your point, let's keep it going eight, nine, maybe ten. Um, you know, looking at the price of oil, Matt. By the way, uh, so last time we talked, we are down into the seventies rather impressively, which is huge because. You know, we talked about this, I think, last week. The Department of Energy, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the the magic number was that they were going to start buying oil under $79 a barrel. Today, as we sit here, Matt, we have fallen to $75.54 a barrel. So they're apparently buying, I'm assuming. I'm I'm really hoping so. Now, uh, the Department of Energy works in its government, right? It never works Mm -hmm. as quick or as efficient as you want. So they have active solicitations. Um, that means that they are soliciting oil companies to sell them oil at that price. And hopefully with $75 oil happening, hopefully some oil companies are saying, Hey, yeah, we'll fill the SPR up. So we'll have to see the details probably will take a couple of weeks. Matt contracts don't happen. Right? There's a lot of process there, but I'm hopeful that the department of energy is putting a lot more oil or thinking about putting a lot more oil in very quickly right now that they hit that magical price. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, we can certainly hope so for uh, definitely for sure. So uh, we obviously don't get too terribly uh, geopolitical. We do want to point that out. Uh, there was a, a presidential debate for one of the uh, two major uh, political parties uh, in the past couple of oh, days. Oh, the Republicans had a... Yes. Yeah. And uh, you're right. They did. And they spent quite a bit of time talking about oil prices, Ooh. gas prices at the pump. And mm -hmm. in the back of my mind during the whole time now we can maybe get into this a little bit more in depth in a future podcast. But for right now, I'll just simply say they all seem to be experts, uh, quote, experts, unquote, uh, on the uh, price of oil and gasoline at the pump. And each one was very confident in their answer of, well, here's how you get it cheaper. Um, and every single one of them, you know, basically were all indicating that they wanted to make sure that uh, you uh, sure uh, talked about, you know, uh, not you, but uh, but basically talking about gas prices. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, we we just simply need more oil, more oil. <laughs> More oil, more oil, more oil. And more in the back drilling, of my mind, more oil, right? Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's not what Patrick says. Patrick says it's it's a refinery issue, not so much of the fact that we need technically more oil. Now, am I I'm simplifying that, but I mean, what's your answer to all of that? Well, and I'm a paraphrasing. I want to but there were five yeah, candidates on the stage. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not giving quote for quote because there were five different answers. But if somebody complains about you not saying it perfectly word for word that you still got the idea across. We'll we'll, we'll send them a pleasant response. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you have any complaints, send them to complaints at AOL.com. Oh, uh, um, <laughs> well, now somebody's going to email them, but <laughs> Yeah, which which I'd love to get a bounce. Um, to your point, Matt, uh, there is a big issue. I mean, you could theoretically bring on uh, more oil is going to simply, you know, potentially lower prices. Um, you know, more oil in the face of OPEC cutting production isn't going to do as much. Um, so there's that. Uh, but you could have more oil. More oil is not going to hurt. It will drive the price down. But there is an additional choke point that has to be considered. You can have all the oil in the world, but if there's not enough refineries to refine it, Matt, we've talked about this, the problem can be refineries. That's the choke point. Um, you can't build a bigger hose right at the end of the hose where, where water's coming out of. You can't get more water at the end than you're putting in. That's the problem that can be solved by building more refineries or incentivizing them to build more. But it's also going to be hard to get refineries to expand because they see that there's transition to EVs happening in the background, and they're going to say, why am I going to expand my refinery? It's going to cost me billions of dollars, and Americans aren't driving as much anymore. So from the economics perspective, oil companies may balk a little bit. But I will say that refineries, especially in the Gulf states, Matt, can look well beyond just the U.S., right for demand. They can sell and they do sell gasoline in Central and South America. They sell diesel to Central and South America. Right. And so U.S. refineries still have the capacity, even if U.S. drivers don't drive as much in the years ahead, they still have the South American market. And of course, when you're second or third world country um, uh, or first world, um, you know, everyone's moving to EVs at a different pace. But in Central America, um, where incomes are not what they are in the United States, that that transition is not going to be happening nearly as quickly. So what I'm saying is they're still going to need fossil fuels, petroleum, gasoline, diesel, and oil, and all these things in Central and South America. And so refineries still could expand here. And if the Americans that you know buy gasoline today don't tomorrow, 
refineries in the Gulf states can just ship it down to Central and South America or other places of the world as well. So, you know, you bring a strong point. So, you know, the Republican answer, yes, more oil is not going to hurt. It will help. But, you know, in spring, when refineries are doing maintenance, we still need more refineries too. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm confused uh, when I look at politics, and I guess most Americans are, so I don't feel totally left out. But um, uh, you, you have one political party advocating for EVs, and then you have uh, a different political party advocating for more oil drilling. Then you have by, the- by, by, by the way, I love how you dance around this. I think we're all familiar with what political. Yes, <laughs> I but- appreciate I appreciate you trying to be partial and, and not pointing out because yeah. I, I realize that we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole. It's it's kind it's kind of that that news reporter in me, that unbiased, like here we are um, a type of a thing. I, and I, for one, appreciate that politics is so divisive already. Well, I and I and for full disclosure, even like, for example, when I anchored news in Florida, they allowed a person to be a no party affiliation. That's how I was always registered as a voter in Florida. Some and states I, don't allow I, I for appreciate that because yeah. I've had enough. Everyone's had enough of politics or all you do is live politics. So yeah. it just gets a little old. But so, anyway, so my 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 general thought is, you know, uh, if I'm going to talk about it, I don't sit there and angle a, a personal position one way or another uh, in, in that regard as well. But. It's it's very confusing to me that you have one political party talking about EVs. You have another political party talking about we need to drill more oil. Then you have the auto manufacturers saying, Mm -hmm. well, starting on this date, we're going to basically produce only electric vehicles. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the whole market there and I'm so confused on where this goes uh, between now and 10 years from now. Um, What are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, Matt, uh, appreciate that's a that's a great question. And by the way, I, th- this is you segued into this perfectly. The auto manufacturers, by the way, are cutting back on EV production. If you saw this I uh, did. headline, Ford cuts EV investment after losing thirty six thousand dollars on every EV sold in the third quarter of this year. Ford posted a one point, and I'm taking the words out. So if you know this headline, feel free. But I have it here in front of me that Ford posted a one point three billion dollar loss in the third quarter. And the Ford, uh, the Ford EV uh, unit said that they were going to cut Mustang Mach-E production and delay building a battery plant. So here, yeah, here's that battery the thing, plant Matt. was actually going to be built in Kentucky. They had uh, no, where, where in Kentucky? Uh, in in the uh, west central part of the state, and then they also have a, basically a sister plant in Tennessee, and they've put a hold on a second one being built there. So they've got one in each location. They were going for two identically. Uh, of the same plants in both Kentucky and uh, and in uh, Tennessee as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, you know, they put a hold basically on 50% of the capacity yeah. that they were going to be constructing. Well, you know, to the point about this, the speed of this transition um, can be very confusing, right? We're all navigating it. Nobody really knows, Matt. There's not there's not anyone in the world will know how quickly this is going to happen. This is the, the game that everyone's trying to figure out. Um, I'm trying to figure it out because an analyst, it, it affects me and how much gasoline is going to be consumed. But Matt, you know, I'm fascinated by how consumers are reacting to this because I mean, I'm a consumer too. I was looking at potentially an EV, but I have to admit that, you know, I think the perfect world, at least for me, everyone's going to have their own opinion. 
is Matt, I would love, and I live in a big city. So it's mm-hmm. also going to be different for you because you live in an area that, that is large. It's a city, but not as large as a city. So you yeah, can, I've you can literally get a, lived in, both, in both areas. Yeah. I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Tampa, lived in right. St. Louis and other places. And oh, I've lived Tampa in Tampa traffic, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Malfunction junction. If you are, if you are familiar with the Tampa traffic, that's in downtown I four and I two seventy five. It's, yeah, it no, is horrendous. You. They've tried to fix it. It's still bad. Um, but but my point is is that I've 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 lived in both experiences, both rural and urban, and yes, yeah, it's, so, it's a very different different mindset all the way around. Yeah, so you know, owning an EV in a big city might make a lot of sense, and I think the perfect world and and Toyota, I think, you know, it's been real popular for the U.S. automakers to jump into this EV bed, right, and start just mass producing them because politicians are, you know, the tax dollars are just all over. You know, it's just like some money truck just blew up and there's just bills floating all over the air, right? That that That's the government right now and how they're treating EVs is handouts left and right. So what I was going to say though, is as tempting as getting an EV is, there are some, there are some, everything has a pro and con. Gasoline does, EV does, whatever. Um, you know, hydrogen, uh, liquefied natural gas, every, every one of these has, has, you know, and, and, you know, pros and cons. The downfall to a battery, Matt, is that when I'm on long trips, which arguably are not very often, I still don't want to, I mean, the, the, the grid isn't there, right? The, the charging stations aren't there. There are huge lines, right? People have been posting, uh, maybe incorrectly, right? That they have encountered lines at Tesla supercharging stations. So yeah, that can all change, but the problem is I'd like an electric vehicle for my daily, you know, if I have to go get a haircut or go to the store. The problem is a lot of manufacturers, I was kind of disappointed that Mazda, they have a CX-90 plug-in electric vehicle, right? The PHEV, the range on it is 40 miles, 40 miles. Now in the Chicago metro area, I can easily drive 40 miles, 30 to 40 miles one way. Yeah. I think the problem with a lot of these, these hybrids, Matt, is the range right 40 miles and and you know arguably in and Kentucky where you are you might not drive 40 miles but your market is smaller than a city like Chicago where we have to drive 30 or 40 miles sometimes to get to where we need to go the perfect plug-in hybrid electric would be a range of like one or 200 miles right it's kind of like a really short road trip and then for anything above a 200 mile range, a, a gas engine would kick in, right? right? Because then most of your daily tasks are going to be electric and you don't have to worry about the grid as much either. But then the fail, the fail safe is you still have a gasoline powered engine to, I don't know, I don't care whether you have a gasoline engine in the vehicle or if the gasoline engine's powering batteries, it doesn't really matter. But, and I think that's what's so interesting about Toyota because Toyota has using itself and just mass producing EVs First of all, they're doing a lot of studies, and I think Honda is well on solid state, no, Toyota, solid state batteries. Mm-hmm. But I think where a lot of manufacturers are getting it wrong is in the range of these electric vehicles. Like, right, the Chevy Bolt, what did that have, a 25-mile radius? Yeah, it wasn't much. So, you know, I, now, that's my take as a consumer. I'd be interested in hearing your take. Do you think, do you agree with me? Or do you disagree? I think... Um, I think a couple of things with regard to EVs. Uh, I, I know that, for example, if you live in a rural area, um, sometimes the nearest grocery store may be 30 minutes to an hour away. And if your car runs out of juice, you may be staring at trees, not even a home that you can walk up to and say, could I use your phone? And you, have no, cell, and you have no cell phone reception. Very true. Uh, so that becomes a problem. 
you also have sporadic power outages in greater number in rural areas due to storms, winter storms, summer storms, spring storms, the it, it, high winds. Um, you, you because you have more exposed uh, electric lines on poles instead of in urban well, areas where there are a lot of them are buried utilities and a lot more, yeah. um, a lot more reliable. And so look you, at California, even a issues. big state like California, that's a concern. Well, right? and that's not only that, Patrick, but I also um, look at the idea of like, for example, the power grid in Texas, which is quite literally an island unto its own. They manage yeah, their own power grid. For sure. And then you have rolling blackouts without the demand of an entire population having nothing but uh, EV vehicles that need power in order to operate, need to be using electricity to charge themselves. You have uh, power issues out west. Sometimes even here in the summer, you will have, you know, power issues across Missouri and Illinois. Um, and that is without the extra strain that uh, all right. homes yeah. having uh, an electric powered vehicle plugged into the wall. I, I, I I've got to be really I'm going to be really blunt. I'm and I'm uncomfortable doing it because I'm that reporter who never takes an opinion. But I'm I'm going to be really blunt. I think it's a dumb idea without having some sort of a backup built into the vehicle of of something. Be yes. it an extra yes. be it an extra battery that's never tapped unless it's an emergency. Well, look be at it, and look at look at Florida, right? A major hurricane, right? We've mentioned that. A major yeah. hurricane throws out your solar panels are suddenly like in somebody else's backyard. The grid is a mess. And you need to get things moving. You know, I, I think the answer of the future, Matt, for me, like to your point, I think going 100% gasoline, there are cons to that. There's a con to going to 100% electric and just somewhere in the middle, right? Toyota has been ahead of this on hybrids. I'm preaching. Yeah, I, think I, just, right. I just don't think our power grid can, I, I don't think that they can build out the power grid to handle that uh, so quickly. Uh, I think that becomes a problem. You have winter storms, ice storms, tornadoes. That can literally destroy the infrastructure just like a hurricane. And then you're out of luck for days or weeks. Well, generators will run on gasoline. Uh, vehicles can currently run on gasoline. But if everything is power supplied, electric, and that infrastructure has been decimated by a disaster of some sort, um, what are you supposed to do? Call your boss and say, right. sorry, sorry, man, I can't make it into work today. My vehicle's dead. I mean, it, you, yeah. you run into a serious issue at that point. I, I don't know the right exact answer, but I, I don't believe the full answer is 100% electric vehicles for a good bulk of the nation. I think that's a problem. Well, you know what, uh, Matt, uh, kind of that adage, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, uh, I don't know that everyone's got all the right answers, right? And I don't know if that electric is all the right answer either. So, you know, off our soapbox a little bit, it, it is kind of interesting exploring the EV uh, part of this conversation. It's something that we'll be doing more down the road as this transition accelerates. I do want to touch on something else that that rubs up on this, uh, potentially the transition to EVs, but some interesting data I've been watching this week. Uh, gas Buddy has uh, demand data for gasoline, right? Uh, we've talked about the pay with Gas Buddy card that you mm -hmm. and I both have. And looking at that data, um, it, it, it's signaling something to us. Um, and, and something stuck out to me this morning when I looked at yesterday's gasoline demand, Wednesday's gasoline demand dropped 9% from what it was last Wednesday, right? So comparing this Wednesday to last Wednesday, because you always have to compare days because there is a lot of behavioral stuff that happens on the same day. Friday is always the busiest day, for example. So right. you can't compare a Monday to a Friday, but Wednesday gasoline demand was down 9% from last Wednesday and 
it was also down almost 6% from the average of the last four Wednesdays. So something's happening here. Um, you know, some of this could be the transition to EVs, but that is not usually going to stick out from this week to last week, right? It's not like it's not like 100,000 people just jumped into Teslas and don't need gas. So I, I've gotten a lot of questions on, hey, what does this mean? Well, uh, when gasoline demand suddenly plummets, it can be worrisome. Why? Because a strong economy, Matt, you don't suddenly stop buying gasoline, you buy more. Right. Right. Because you have, you know, you might have a job, you may be feeling better, you have more money to spend. And a lot of that activity happens uh, with gasoline or diesel and jet fuel. So the fact that gasoline demand is suddenly, um, you know, notably down, this is something to watch. I will say, though, that you don't look at just one day and compare it to another day. Right. The broader context of weekly demand is really important. But I will mention that so far this week, Sunday through Wednesday, uh, because Gas Buddy's data, we look at, at a week as Sunday through Saturday. And since we're halfway through the week, Sunday through Wednesday, gasoline demand this week is down over 5% from last week. And it's also down over 4% from the four-week average for Sunday through Wednesday. So something's cooking here. Um, it could be a little worrisome. It could be more than just seasonality. It is normal to see gasoline demand falling, right? We said that last week. But this could also entail uh, maybe a broader economic slowdown, right, that we've been talking about. The Fed has been talking about this soft landing. We saw some um, rough economic data in the last couple of weeks, right? And now FedEx, I think, is based in Tennessee. Maybe you heard that FedEx is letting a lot of pilots go. Yeah, they offered a one-time buyout if they retired early. It was a mm -hmm. very large amount of money. Uh, well, and they also pilot. tried to steal some of their pilots to American, right, and American mm -hmm. Airlines uh, American Airlines uh, regional carrier, PSA, was offering them, and I guess I'm in the wrong job, Matt, because they were offering these pilots a sign-on bonus of $250,000. Yeah. But, you know, back to the economic concern there. You know, both of that, us have dabbled into being pilots. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I've got my drone pilot's license now. You've kind of uh, worked on being, even flying a helicopter, if I remember correctly. I so. do, yeah. I was just thinking about, I was actually looking, Googling, you know, uh, getting just a, a, a private uh, pilot's license too, because I do love flying, but yeah, yeah. you know, maybe there's something there. Um, well, maybe, maybe you and I should, uh, <laughs> th that's what we'll do. You know, we'll, we'll fly, we'll fly for the podcast. It'll be great. <laughs> there you go. But you know, it, it, it's really interesting seeing those gasoline demand numbers because uh, again, broader economy. Now we're talking about FedEx, but the FedEx layoffs matter concerning because that means that there's not as much cargo flying, which means right. Americans aren't spending as much, which means, you know, just dovetails. And so gasoline demand, can also be a big economic barometer. You mentioned economic barometer. I want to bring up a couple of things very quickly. Uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell has warned against uh, being misled, and that's in quotes, uh, by good data or data, depending upon who you are and how you want to pronounce it, on prices, saying uh, basically the U.S. Central Bank's 2% target has a, quote, Long way to go, unquote, hinting at additional rate hikes as a possibility. I remember you talking about how that can also impact yeah. uh, prices. Then we also have a little bit of a developing story, and that is that ransomware, uh, a ransomware attack has disrupted the U.S. Treasury market. I honestly would not have thought about uh, ransomware. I would have thought that the Treasury and oil prices and stock markets and all of that would be quite uh, secure. Well, uh, nobody's and, and bulletproof. Kind of Remember nobody's, the Colonial Pipeline outage, right? You're exactly right. So, so the question mark that I have is: if the rates are increased interest-wise, um, what 
<laughs> that that seems like that would almost possibly put a halt uh, to the falling gas prices. Am I wrong? If they if they raise the interest rate again, yeah, that uh, well, it, it, well, no. If they raise the interest rate again, Matt, that's going to throttle the economy back even more. And so you that think would, that the price of gas would actually go down? Yes, raising interest rates would put downward pressure on gasoline prices because it's going to stall the economy. Uh, technically, right? The more interest rates go up, the more the Fed is exerting its control to slow the economy down. Right? That's what. That's what the Fed is trying to do. It's raising interest rates because things are superheated. Inflation's just running away. The only way to slow that down, Matt, is to make borrowing more expensive, which slows down mergers and acquisitions, which slows down businesses from growing. But that also, in turn, then slows down inflation at the grocery store, inflation at the car manufacturer. Uh, it slows down inflation left and right. Like look at the look at the housing market, right? Things are slowing down there. So the only way you can throttle back growth and maintain inflation is by using this overnight Fed's fund rate. So the more expensive you make it to borrow, the less people and a lot Americans, I mean the American economy relies on borrowing, right? So if you make it more expensive to borrow, Matt, less people are probably gonna do it. Yeah. And that less people are gonna have money to spend. So actually raising interest rates. Um, has an inverse reaction on gas prices. The higher inflation goes, the more downward pressure it puts on not only gas prices, but other commodities too. And that's an important point to make because the lower the cost of shipping becomes, in theory, that should also eventually trickle to a yep. lower price for commodities, be it right. clothing, groceries, or whatever, on the grocery store shelf. I will, I will admit that to some degree, Groceries can, in theory, fall a little bit uh, faster in prices. And again, that is to some degree because, and I'm not going to go into every single layer here, but the reality is, you know, whenever a, a beef or pork or whatever the case may be is is brought to the attention and the price point that, that those animals are sold at also factor in how much gas was while they were uh, being bred for yeah. the food. So it does take a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, in theory, that should bring the price down all the way around. You would think that the Federal Reserve, I guess it's technically out of their purview and out of their mm -hmm. expertise, but you would think that they would say, um, we need to work on bringing oil prices down. We need to work on the other aspects because in my mind, that would tame inflation even more because it would bring the cost of most things down. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely would. And that's why they're, you know, that's why they're chasing this so much is because, Matt, if you lower the price of, um, well, if you slow the economy down, people aren't going to be buying as much, spending as much. And, you know, that, that, that it's to your point, trickle down, right? If the cost of diesel goes down, the farmer doesn't have as high of a cost of moving those, the, the livestock, if, if the cost of livestock goes down, um, or I should say, or, or crops as well. And if the price of crops goes down, then the feed that the animals that produce meat are eating is is less. And the diesel to get that to market is less. It, it's just, it dovetails. And yeah. so, you know, the, the, the more the Fed raises interest rates, the more it cools off the economy. And thus it does risk a recession, right? If you, if you exert too much pressure and make the cost of borrowing too high, Right. It could it could become problematic on the other side, which well, may not be necessarily it. the worst thing. Right. Is is when you overheat, you might have to underheat. The, so, you know, there are some and 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 there are some things to also keep into to factoring in uh, that in uh, businesses. A lot of the times if they have debt, 
uh, it is not on a fixed interest rate. So every time it comes up to be, uh, you know, basically readjusted, sometimes annually, sometimes it's locked in for three years, whatever the case may be. All of a sudden, you have a jolt in an interest rate uh, on your on your debt that you're servicing as a business. Then you also have homeowners and and business owners, property owners uh, in general. Uh, you know, it used to be almost zero percent to go finance a house, right. one two percent. Now it's seven to eight percent. Um, and that is a large difference when you're buying a oh, one, to, one to $300,000 or $400,000 home, depending upon where you are. And that's just average, depending upon where you are in this country. Um, that could be huge. And that, that I would think, would bring a serious issue uh, into, mm -hmm. into play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see this dynamic. And I mean, your point, Matt... Um, you know, I was talking to my friend, my friend, um, is buying a house, um, that, you know, is roughly, uh, it's out in the su suburbs of Chicago where the, the home prices are much more uh, affordable, still maybe not affordable, but, um, the interest rate out there and, and what he's paying is essentially going to be the same as what I paid for a, a house in the city mm -hmm. five years ago. Yeah. You know, so uh, talk about a massive jump in, in, you know, borrowing See, costs. To me, that's going to create uh, what I would consider a localized recession in certain professions. Yes. Yep. And that's where I get a little concerned. Um, you know, the housing market, for example, there's a lot of things that can be impacted by that. Construction workers, building new homes, obviously real estate agents and other aspects. But there's a lot of things that are tied um, to that, which can have what you would basically consider a limited recession or a localized recession within the economy in certain professions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, so some areas of the economy may get hit harder, but th this whole dynamic gasoline demand, the Fed interest rates all ties into what we pay at the pump in one way or another, right? People want to say a president has control over all of that, but, you know, really the other thing too, Matt, is that the Fed... The Federal Reserve is really in charge of this monetary policy. And the interesting thing about the Fed is Jerome Powell has been there. He was actually appointed by President Trump. So the Fed is independent in its mission. Its mission is to tame inflation, to make sure that inflation is acceptable. So, you know, the other thing I've been hearing a lot about, oh, is this runaway inflation? Well, the Fed controls inflation. That is the Federal Reserve. And the guy that Trump put there is the chairman. So, you know, they are an independent body. Right, they're operating in the way that will slow inflation back down because nobody likes us. But the good news is on the inflation front, Matt, is that gas prices, um, you know, are getting back to where a lot of Americans feel like they're normal. Right? We're yeah, nine right. nine states now where prices are back below three dollars. But I'm kind of depressed that normal seems like three bucks a gallon too. You know, but well, I also you know, understand. Yeah, normal at the grocery store. I can still remember buying two liters of Coca Cola or, or Pepsi or actually Mountain Dew for like seventy nine to ninety nine cents. Yeah, now it's like two ninety nine. So, you know, part of that is just having to realize that in addition to paying more for that two liter, that I'm also getting paid more than I was, you know, fifteen twenty years ago when that happened. Had quite a bit more actually. So well, and then you also have shrinkflation as well. I mean, you can still buy two liters, but a lot of the times it's now a liter. Oh, have you well, noticed that? 
Have you noticed? I, I mean, they, 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 they try and stick you on a leader, but that's sure. the beauty about those tried and tested and true sizes, Matt, as Americans get so familiar with a gallon of milk, a dozen eggs. There are units you can change. That box of cereal or that chip bag of chips, right? There's no standardized units yeah, over time. A, so. a family size bag of chips is almost one of the, the size that you get out of the vending machine now. It's a slight, oh. it's a slight exaggeration. But one thing that did get me, uh, toothpaste. I won't give the exact brand. It's obviously one that everyone's familiar with. I remember you saying with. that. Yeah. yeah. And now I can fit a a, a, a full, uh, you know, because you have like the travel size you can you can put on your carry-on, you know, mm -hmm. under a certain amount of ounces. Well, now the toothpaste that I had uh, been buying that was, you know, a year ago, five ounces, six ounces in the tube is now 2.7 ounces. It's Yikes. now about 0.4 ounces less than than what is required to be able to fit onto my carry-on. So I don't need a you travel know, size anymore. But the problem whole thing is, is just disgusting. You well, know, but think about it point. though. The price of that tube of toothpaste is now more expensive at 2.7 ounces than what I was paying for five ounces. Yeah, so you got hit twice. That's right. It, it, yeah. I'm getting less product and I'm paying more for that less product than I did yeah. for a full five ounces. But that's one example. There's a whole bunch of things like See, that on the store and, shelf. And, and last week when we talked about half gallons, remember if they ever mm -hmm. change the unit of measurement, you can't change that unit of measure, measurement. There's so much would have to change behind the scenes. And this is what I do know as uh, somebody that works for a company, uh, PDI Technologies serves the convenience store industry all up and down and, and, and moving to a half gallon would just be, so challenging on many different levels. And speaking of of, of gasoline again, uh, Matt, before we get too hung up on 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 you know inflation and EVs, uh, I will say that by the end of this weekend, we're going to have at least two more states joining the nine states with average gas prices below three dollars a gallon. And and you might be familiar with this one because it's Kentucky and Ooh. the other is Delaware. So I'll take it. it. That will put us up to eleven, and that could happen here by this weekend and early next week. Two more may join. Missouri and North Carolina are next up after those. So, you know, by this time next week, Matt, we could have uh, 13 states below $3 a gallon. And by the way, that number is going to keep going up. So wonderful news here as we close this episode. And, and by yeah, the way, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, appreciate all the emails and and uh, uh, information our followers have been following us, and and a little bit more in depth here before we before we start closing is that, um, you know, social media. You can find us over a barrel on on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Threads too, Matt. By the way, Gas Buddy Guy in Threads. So I know there's been a, a big uptake on on Threads. I'm over there at Gas Buddy Guy. Gas Buddy Guy on X or Twitter as well. Over a Barrel Show on Facebook. We're Over a Barrel Show on X as well. And you're Over a Barrel, Matt. And yep. you're on X as well. So I'm on X. I've got a public page on Facebook. Just look for Matt McLean, et cetera, et cetera. We're all there. Yeah, we are. And we'd love to hear, by the way, as we get more and more of these low prices, uh, throw us a mention out. Tag me or Matt. We'd love to feature your low prices. But uh, for this week, Matt, um, we're going to be back next week with some information on hitting the road for Thanksgiving. So yeah. thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to everyone soon. Have a good one.